to talk to you about everything going on with Rutledge and how you started out living in Detroit around the corner from me with your modeling agency. Then you became a model. Then you started doing your promotions. Let us know, like, how was it like growing up in Detroit? You know, it was uh, particular. <laughs> Diverse and interesting, and uh, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of growth lessons. I think there's a lot of growth lessons to happen in inner cities, a lot more than uh, most places. Detroit was a vibrant place. And then it wasn't, and then it picked up, and then it lost ground. And um, it tells to the perseverance, the individual that lived there, and to the city itself. So we grew a lot. I, I found the most genuine people anywhere I've ever met in the world that come from Detroit. Even when I meet them in other places, I bump back into them. But I wasn't the most popular on some levels when I was younger. A lot of people knew me, if that makes sense. I was always out and about and in the mix and uh, in different uh, things that built on different skills. I always had people in my backyard for basketball. I was around the corner doing the same and playing around and dancing. That was my first love, dance. And I got a lot of that out of my system from very young age till uh, till early 20s before I moved away from there. And uh, yeah, it was just it was just one of those things that most people find out. The further you get away from home, the more you uh, feel more enriched, enriched by the, the process and uh, the things that you did really learn. You put them to the test when you get out of there. And so in hindsight, it was the most awesome place to grow up. Uh, not while I was in it, but normally uh, the best things aren't. Yeah, to answer your question. Nice. Yeah, Detroit. I mean, whoa. When we left there, it was just amazing because of the... Uh, it was just amazing because we didn't realize what we were exposed to. Yeah. And I think for me, it was like I was exposed to like a lot. And I didn't realize that Detroit was an international city till I was called back to go to Detroit as the person that was in media. So that was a real surreal experience for me because we grew up, you know, I was like, Jeff, now I'm going to eat at your house. We got nothing in the house. <laughs> All the way to what you doing? You couldn't even come outside your porch. I was like, we, if people don't understand, you had your model agency on the porch. But yeah, you know that? Like, yeah. Yeah, you were always like, a, you were an uh, ambivert. You were introverted and you were also an extrovert. So it's like, you were an ambivert to me and you were that person that was sitting down and, and always making moves. You know, you always, I don't know, I was like, wow, he can't he can't leave the house. Mom, <laughs> your mother was strict at the time. She wouldn't keep you away from all the riffraff. Mm -hmm. So I was like. Good thing she did, right? Good thing. So now you bad now. So now <laughs> <laughs> I call it the, what's it, the private school syndrome, you know, like when you sent away to private school and, uh, you get out, you go crazy later on because you, you're so confined when you're in those environments. So it doesn't leave a lot of room. So uh, you you have to get really creative. And uh, I was blessed to have a lot of that uh, imagination in front of me and the perseverance, uh, the fire under my butt to to kind of follow through on it, even though a lot of people around me weren't thinking about that, that side of it. So, yeah. And what type of creativity did you uh, encounter? And I mentioned the, the agencies that you modeled with as a kid, as well as you had your own. What kind of, what ways were you creative? Like, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, of course. When, when I first started, I think like most people, they do it because they had some expertise in whatever they started in. I had a lot of expertise in being around people and organizing 
through an auxiliary that was called After School Club Connect. Uh, they did a lot of different uh, fashion events. And I was asked, because I was so good walking on their runway and things that, that they were organizing to show people how to walk and things of that nature. So I had these things that I was good at. But then the creativity really comes into place in entrepreneurship where you start really addressing and becoming realistic about who you are every moment as you're growing into a position because you never quite fit. You're like the you know, a circle and a square peg. And so you have to make sure or find a way to make sure that you as a circle are sawing out around that and making that that square as much as a circle. Uh, it never really gets comfortable. So I, I stretched myself. Uh, it got me out of my comfort zone a lot more than I would have liked at that time, but that's everything that's new. Uh, it helped me to find other venues and different ways to get in contact with people that could help me to grow my business. It was there to give me ideas. Terry Dexter, a good friend of ours, introduced us to one of my first mentors at that time uh, that had his own agency at that time. And even though I had a model referral agency at that time and started uh, when I was in college, while I was in college, <laughs> he was able to kind of help structure to what that is. And what I found out, and even later in life, is that was fundamental because you can have fundamental things, but then you have to fill out, you have to fill in the gaps. You have to be able to make it work for you on a regular basis and, and keep pushing, even if you're not sure that direction is real for you or even going in the right direction uh, instead of just chasing your tail, so to speak. And so there's a lot of creativity that has to happen. You have to make sure that you're showing up for people that's coming into the workplace. You got to make sure you're showing up for clients that are coming to see what you have in front of that. Even I remember the flyers that we used to put together on that side of it. They weren't greatly impressive. I didn't have a lot of money to do, but I end up finding a special printer situation that I can get a lot of copies made at my mother's job. I had someone who was an art person who drew up the logo because I didn't know. So one thing led to another, but it really helped me to isolate how to get things done without having to have a lot of money or a lot of experience at the time. It was, yeah, it was quite, it, it, it definitely gets stretched. If you don't, then you're not doing entrepreneurship right. Yeah, right. Because you're like, it's a lot of work, but you have to love what you, you know, love what you do and, you know, have purpose, make sure it's in line with your purpose. My passion is in line with my purpose is to help others and disseminate information and, you know, be a, be a light and to motivate and to teach. They're all in the same you know, vicinity to me. But the great thing you spoke about, and you are so funny because I love it, and you're so right. The, uh, the business model, to say the least, of the model agency is very interesting. It's very communal business. <laughs> well, it comes across in the beginning like that, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, minus let, you, let you know. <laughs> right, the 40% fees, you know, 20 plus 20. But the cool thing is, is I, I chewed you the same. And in the pod world that we live in now, um, I make sure that I have me a long table or a little small table that resembles that the booking table. And I have tables and chairs in it. So when people come over in either New York or LA, they can sit at it and we talk. And it's like, it's kind of like usually a full boardroom feeling. And then we all pull out our um, tabs and our laptops. So it's kind of cool. We get on our phones like, eh. so right now we got, I got a marble table here and in, in LA we got a glass table. So it's kind of fun. It's fun because you can, 
you really like understand how they do things, especially because they sit across from each other, the throw ideals, they're, you know, they're whispering in each other's ear, they write notes and stuff. So it's kind of cool the way they do business in that world. And also it makes me feel like I'm working with my customers and my clients. When they come in, it's a very homely feeling. And, you know, people don't understand that, you know, there's, there's all different models that work in business. There's virtual models, this model, hybrid models. But I love the agency model field. It's shared in the architectural world. It's shared in the, in the advertising world, which is kind of dilapidated at the moment. Thank you, man. You know, thank you, God. Because I felt like that world was a little, um, it was a little dated to say the least. And it was, it came across to me as being racist. So let's call it spade a spade. But um, what, the, what you're talking about is so great because people have to understand that personal touch and being able to interact with your customers and your clients and make them feel good about themselves, which means you need to have good follow through. So if I email you, don't email me back five weeks later because I'm out of, you know, you can, but don't expect a response. And so, you know, until I get, you know, things back together because it's busy for everybody. We get it. We need it. But nobody's, you know, President Obama and run a, a nation and have two kids and a wife. You know, right. we, have, we have to put things in perspective. And, yep. um, yeah, and that I, takes I, priorities. And that takes right. prioritizing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times yeah. we don't know what that looks like. Yep, and yep. And then what you're talking about is doing that. And you learned that at an early age. And then you took that energy and you taught me about it. I ran with it like a little crackhead. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I ran with it. And when I graduated from Cornell, I, went, I moved down to New York. I was like, what's Jeff doing? And I was like, oh, my God, he's doing the same thing but as a grown man. I tell people that's I never realized my, I thought my first love was dance when I was growing up. But yeah, really, my you, first you love was Zumba people. classes. You had Zumba classes too. Let them know. I, I was doing all types. I was teaching Latin salsa, dance. merengue, bachata, you know, b-boy, hip-hop, you know, and everything like that. I even just on Clubhouse the other day, I was uh, reminiscing as as I was uh relaying a story about uh Aaliyah, you know, like my first uh, last audition with Aaliyah, uh, rest in peace, in Detroit that was set up because I was so active in the community uh, of dance as it was in Detroit. And I was doing other things. I was always up to something. I always think about Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> how they always said, you know, he was always active. He was always, he was like the he was the person that came into the room and always sucked the air out of it because he was so energetic. I had a lot of energy when I was growing you did too. I remember, you yeah, know. You also, also, um, that's why I wanted to interrupt you. And I'm so sorry for doing that. No, no, I that conversation that we do up here, but it's kind of cool because I forgot too. Um, people don't realize that Detroit is an international city, not just because you say that. We say that because it is across from Canada. So, we, you know, when we were kids, we sneak over. First of all, we had to tell everybody we went to St. Andrews before Eminem, you know, Eminem was. Well, Eminem was rapping there. Yeah. Right. We snuck in the basement window. We snuck in the basement window because I was 14 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> or less. It was so fun. And I can't believe that I watched 8 Mile and I was like, oh my God, I was the next one up. Yeah. So bad, but we were good. We had good grades sometimes, mom, all the time. Yeah, and I know you were in and out with it, but I don't know, but and Terry had her things and issues and trials and tribulations, which I can't wait to speak to her, but it was great because you opened my eyes. You was like, mom, we're going to Windsor tonight. I'm like, what? But I was like, <laughs> but I forget that, you know, Detroit was, is a, you know, we go across the waters and we went to University of Windsor parties with all these girls that was beautiful because it was like from Africa, uh, Sudanese, Egyptian. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, oh my God. Beautiful women and beauty. And then this hip hop club was very interesting because some nights was topless night. <laughs> it was they, they Detroit knew how to get it going, and we, and we could legally drink movies like what, 18, 19. Well, so I didn't start drinking until I was 
22. I was always a designated driver because of that, <laughs> which worked right. out fairly well on that side of it. Yeah, but I was always, my my liquor was dance. Like I was always the first and last to get off the dance floor. They have to I shut know. the place down. You showed uh, me, you always did. We like, Jeff, we got to go home. It's 4 a.m. Yeah. Nobody else is dancing but you and that one girl. Then she, girl's feet was hurting. She like, <laughs> <laughs> But you, I remember you took me to one of those salsa merengue classes, and I was like, who the hell is this man? Because, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I was a Cranbrook Kings with Upper Brown, which is a little Upper Brown program of a talent to get to kids. And I thought, oh, you know, I was like, okay, I, I got, you know, being around the, you know, the billionaire, uh, Nikoons of the, you know, General Motors, you know, Lee Iacocca being in Gross Point, Bloomfield Hills area, all that stuff intertwined. And, I, you know, I thought I saw some things, but um, no, I did not. I didn't see everything because Jeff was like, we're going over here. I was like, you really rediscovered Detroit. You made me feel like you showed me parts of Detroit that I never even knew that was there. You know, um, Mexican Village. It was just everywhere. South. I was it like, was everywhere. it was just like downtown. You took me to places and you helped me district the city um, in my mind. Mm-hmm. So when I got to go to CBE and to their headquarters where they actually, you know, I think it was uh, Mike Elitch or something. He um he he did he redid uh Comerica Park all that stuff a lot of downtown Detroit I got to see the model I got to see the actual business model with the um with um it was all of us with the media outlets and you know for us I was about to throw up because I'm like Jeff said this was gonna happen Arthur <laughs> Jeffrey Rutledge Arthur Jeff Rutledge even you, David in the middle of there <laughs> yep you told me that you told me that you said this is gonna be the arts area and I was like oh lies and I was like yeah, no, lies. <laughs> For sure. Like it's, long- I think it's coming. It's coming. Everybody's like, mm-hmm. sure. It did come. Once I'm out, you know, so happy that your mom, she locked you in that house because when you got out, you knew everywhere to go. Yeah, you knew everywhere to <laughs> you go. Were all, you were near Wayne State area. You were near Cass Tech corridors. There were places in New York, in Detroit that I was like, whoa, this is like New York. So it was like, you really did. If not, I'm thinking about it. And you were always going to these places that were very inviting, multicultural, diversity. You know, we got kicked out running across the street, going to across Eight Mile. I, I remember getting kicked out because we were going, I was trying to go to Dairy Queen. Oh right, yeah. And then going to Ham traffic, they was running me out of there. And then, like I said, and then fast forward, I'm looking at models of the city. Then fast forward, I'm going, I'm going to the unveiling of the city where they redid. You know, they had, they had filtration in the water. Me, you know how dirty that water was in the river. Now they infiltrated it. The boardwalk is miles, like miles and miles and miles. Like it's ruthless. The Quinter Cut. I mean, I love that city. I didn't even know, you know, I was just rediscovering it. Uh, what do you call it? The uh, Farmer's Market. That was beautiful to see that with all the artwork and all the murals that are all in, that are done by international artists. So you really, you are one of the four thinkers and people don't understand that you do make a difference because you were showing people, you were like a tour guide for people in Detroit that were from Detroit. I carried that well into my life into when I moved to that hospitality side. I I do think that you can learn it. I think that, again, it fell into that talent that I had, this exploratory nature in me. I'm always explorative. I'm stepping into new places. I'm taking on the nuances of those places and the nuance of the people. And I was always eclectic, even like in, you know, high school, uh, you know, like I, I started, you know, my style was very in that, that side of it. I, I would, was a risk taker when it came to fashion when I came to, I didn't need to be around uh, a lot of popular 
people or kids when I was in school, uh, we had our own, you know, click, you know, in middle school, you know, by the time, you know, I got to Pershing, I had, you know, Aton and uh, Sherman, you know what I'm saying? That was around, you know, like there was an extension of the Nolan's uh, middle school, you know, side of it. And I was, and they were about it. Charles and uh, Kinovich, all these people, they, we get on our bikes. You remember, we used to get on our bikes and we used to go far into the suburbs and explore. So it was always a part of me. And I, I, I'm happy that was a part of me because I think that it helped me to grow also in dealing with people and the patience that it takes to interconnect people. So like you said before, you know, like it turned into something, locations, you know, places, people, thing. It's just one of those things, you know, I think about Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point and Three Archetypes to Make the World Go Round. And he says, you know, he, he puts the connector as one of those three. And uh, and I rec- somebody recognized that in me and gave me the book. And that started my whole new renaissance, my Opsimath, uh, you know, trail of uh, getting back into reading, you know, uh, 15 years ago and and uh, to my, my speaking and coaching now. So you just never know. But long as you're truly being you, long as you're being authentic to you, I think those things come towards you as well. And that's, and I had, like I said, great friends like you. Like I said, I, I always tell people I wouldn't be here in living out my life in New York the way that I have until you actually presented that, that to me. So I always want to give you to thank thank you and thank God for putting that into your head. You know, Jeff, you need to move to New York. You know, you should do, you know, modeling, you know, and everything like that. And that, that was something that uh, was really, truly powerful. So thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I was like, this is crazy out here. I was like, this kind of fun. You know, like, you know, I was wanting, because I was like, okay, I know Detroit was fun. Because the infrastructure in Detroit was lit. People don't really understand that. The Sears building, oh, you know, the Thanksgiving parade, all that stuff. It's like, yo, they lying to y'all. Royal Oak was the, was the bomb before, right? Yeah, yeah. Royal Oak. <laughs> we were there a lot. Rochester, all those places. Southfield. And as we got older, um, I met a young lady named Ashley Noel. And she, I met her at a supper club. I was doing um, parties and events with uh, B&G and stuff. Mm-hmm. Password. And then she went and then I was like, what? And now she's um, working at the CBE office. And that was the office that I went to. It's like full circle moment for me all the time. And it's just great. But yeah, for you, it was just so cool because you told me about, um, you taught me a lot about being resourceful mm-hmm. and also i'm just watching you i learned that oh okay, i understand how he do this it was really like you was just very poor and you remind me of your mama eva but you get you did it from the male from the male point of view mm-hmm. <laughs> you know very calm and collective very stylish guy. Was praying for oh, me. right right <laughs> but i think that's so awesome because you were so in tune with yourself you were a little businessman mm-hmm. and then i feel like i became like this little businessman and so people was like who the hell are they well, we're a little businessmen who happen to be businessmen. But they were like, damn, these are black people that happen to be businessmen and models. Yes, that's what we are, but I'm a business person first. And that's who we were. We were there. I was the president of the National Honor Society, president of this, vice president of the student government. Uh, I went from Persian to King High School. That was like going to a neighborhood high school, being on the honors track to fast forward. Um, the last two years, I went to King High School, which is like more of a magnet school with, with um, all these different programs. So it was like a lot of things going on. And then, you know, we were being, you know, being exposed to, I didn't know about Indian Village and all that stuff <laughs> until, I, until I went over to that area of the town, bro. So I didn't know about Gold, you know, all that. I knew about Gross Point, but I didn't know about the mansion. So, you know, when I moved over by Jefferson, I moved to Jefferson and Connors. Mm-hmm. And over there is by the waterfront. You know, um, the Fisher Mansion was over there. I got to, you know, I got to go and draw back and forth as a kid. 
it was amazing to be able to see those types of homes and you know those mansions with those speed boats that drive up in your backyard and i'm right down the street in the little hood but at the same time that area was being converted to a um you already know beautiful town homes victoria homes mm-hmm. in gray haven so it's like Detroit is the best of both worlds and the infrastructure is so popping i was waiting for them to get that train now the train is there we've always had the people mover but you always had me doing things that I would never have done. And I think that is so beautiful to surround yourself with people that like to explore like nightlife cities. You had me in every goddamn club. And I was like, how old are we? We're only 18, 17 now. <laughs> but, and, but it was, and a lot of them were legal. Yeah. I didn't know no club, no kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was yeah, a lot of be- best kept secrets, you know, in Detroit, the warehouse club. I mean, what happened was I got connected with um, the, the one who uh, helped me, my mentor, my mentor, when I had the agency that I started, he actually got me involved with a magazine, a paper, newspaper, a magazine, so to speak. You know, that was my second venture. He put my name on it. I didn't know, you know, what I was going to do as a partner on that, except for sell ads. But then I had other connections that I didn't, like I said, talk about that creativeness, that imaginative part of you. When you get something dropped in your lap and you want to do the best job possible, conscientiousness kind of takes over, right? So I already knew like, you know, Darnell Smalls and, you know, and, and Charles Hickson, you know, and Dennis Archer Jr. They had all these parties going on and I got connected with them and doing parties with them and started interviewing them. And I started finding out more and more about those. And then Jerry, me, Jerry and Kia was in a group together and uh, two other people, you know, people don't know who that is, but you know, that, you know, we were dancing all over the place. So it was just the activity. Well, yeah, you, okay. Cause you know, we, um, we're just talking, but we got to make sure we got to make sure people remember. So everybody don't remember Kid and Play, and you know, so y'all need to Google it. So Kid and Play were two rappers with different haircuts, and that was Jeff and his friend Jerry. And so, you know, I was just a little, I was, um, I don't know what I was, I was, oh, I was a little nerd that worked in the mall and had fifty percent off of those those little cool shops. But you used to have like, you used to really be dancing. You had a dance off. People don't realize that you were a real dancer. So you was, um, you were doing dance offs, and you brought a style that was unparalleled because you have you were you were moving them head. But yeah, you so and back in the day, people don't realize that people just had these little dance offs just for fun, be in somebody's basement. Of course, we was the little kids of it, but then we became the grown people. But at that time, we became New York. But you guys were like dance partners. You had choreography. You had outfits. You had your hair cut in certain ways. You had lines in your hair. You had sunglasses. You had chains. And so I wanted to break that down to people. So that was true. No, a hundred percent. I mean, talk about being the part, you know, you and, you know the part. not just the acting the part, but is being the, the part. And we, you know, like, I think, you know, that's the great thing about that. People always talking about the youth of the day and stuff like that. Every youth goes through their very eclectic understanding of the world they see themselves in. And uh, that's the power of where we were because I was that artistic person. I wasn't an artist but I was an artist, you know, a, a physical artist, you know, when it came to that. And I always thought about uh, dance in that uh, context. So from how you would see me until you be just before you saw me dance. And then like the energy that like was off me and Kanovich was that was the first dancing uh, duo we had. And then later on, it was Jerry and Kia and our, our group uh, that we had. So it was, you know, it was. It was always interesting. It was always really uh, my first love. You know, music was always my first love uh, and dance. You know, those things were what that was. But then, like you like you said earlier, I, you get 
on with your life and you just establish so much because you've done so much. And uh, I was able to uh, uh, really learn and grow from what that is. Even when we're talking about two cities in the middle of Detroit, you know, a lot of people don't know that we were hanging out at Hamtramck and then, you know, at Highland Park. And Pontiac. Clutch Cargo, remember? Oh, wow, we forgot that's about where, that. Yeah, that's where well, you know from and me. Puffy did that first world tour. They yeah. started right there at Clutch Cargo. And Janet Jackson had to stop through there and MC Hammer. But um, what I like about... Turn that mother out. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that. I actually paid tickets for that. But yeah, I bought tickets for that. But no, my, my um, what I thought was so cool, too, was that Detroit was... um. The food was phenomenal. The food was phenomenal. And I'm so happy and ecstatic that they have all the boarding teams downtown now, which I got to be a part of that unveiling of that, um, you know, after my father passed away. The, um, the, you know, Joe Louis Arena was a, a meeting point for us, but then now they have the Detroit complex downtown. And um, I think the, the basketball plays on the court and then, you know, they, 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 there's ice underneath. Yeah. So I saw, the, I saw the hockey match and I was like, you know, I saw balling because you know, being in, a, I guess you call them little boxes. You know, you went from being, you you know, you and your daddy could barely afford to be in a, in a nosebleed seat to now you're in a box. So it was like, it was so beautiful for me. And people didn't understand that sometimes, you know, um, you you speak about Detroit and um, I feel like I'm the same way. Uh, we, we, we talk about it like, you know, people remember it, but they know us, but they, um, I, I tend to forget that there was a lot of rough times in Detroit too. Mm. You know, getting hit in the head with a brick. People don't realize that about me. You know, from Whistle. Thanks, Whistle. To, uh, you know, having those crazy fights with people we didn't even know. So for me, it was a lot of PTSD. Mm-hmm. So for me, I kind of like, you know, I know where I'm from and I always say it and everything I can do um, but and everything I do rather. But I don't, I, sometimes those memories, it, we, we push them back because it was a lot of PTSD. You know, seeing a lot of people's families go through things when all that crack cocaine hit Detroit. And um, seeing like you know all the way you know just seeing so much devastation, and um, for me that's why when you talk I'm like damn we did a lot like we really did do a lot and so when I hang out and I went on that tour I was like I've already been here, <laughs> you know but but me and you both know when you live in Detroit you live on the east side you always on the east side you live on the west side you always on the west side you might go downtown for a cultural event but you ain't really doing it all. But we that was the only crazy one that went on the west side too. On the south side, I went to school the south side with the Mexican games. We had Mexican but I, games. But I went to school over there too. Remember, yeah. I was at Randolph Little Technical uh, yeah. Center, so that was you know right behind uh, the other affluent uh, high school at that time, Renaissance. Yeah, I had friendships that I made over there. Plus the first uh, the first parts of uh, the uh, before I started the agency the mentorship that I had that was on the west side uh, I even uh, my private school I was in private school from first grade through sixth grade that was probably just about sixth grade my sixth grade time is probably right around the time we realized we lived around the corner from each other uh, I was at a private school on the west side that was a black owned private school called MICD, Michigan Institute for Child Development, even though it sounds like a retarded name, it's like it was really culturally advanced with a principal, Rosalind Murray, who really was just future forward thinking and had uh, great ties to uh, Conyers at that time, you know, that uh, really had like three schools all over the city and stuff like that. And it was the first time that 
I, you know, I learned ballet at first grade, took karate at second grade. Hold on a second, because I want people to know uh, John, you know about, uh, John Connors. John, yeah, John Connors. That, yeah. that was our mayor of Detroit. He had a long run. So go ahead, continue, because I don't know yeah. people were saying, What's, what are you talking about, Connor? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Connors, yeah. John Conyers, yeah. And, and and then he stepped into Senate. He was a senator then after, right? Governor or senator? What? No, no, yeah. He, the, had, he had a long career. Representative, Maybe. something like that. Yeah, he but you know, it, you know, but it was just so many things that added up. So like my mother wanted me to be well-versed, even though she kept me in the house a lot. But uh, she did put me in spaces where I could uh, get cultivated and cultured from where I was very young, you know, won my first chess tournament, third grade, you know, in the school and all these type of things. It was just things you were putting in. French was my second grade part of, I took, had French my second grade class for like three months, you know, like they were really culturally putting me in a space. And I tell people, I decided that I wanted to see the rest of the world in seventh grade at Nolan. Uh, my teacher, Miss Bledsoe, I don't know if you remember Miss Bledsoe, the geography teacher. And uh, that's, that's where I saw the world for the first time. And I said, one day I'm going to travel the world. And that uh, she made it, she made it beautiful. So teachers do have the power. Uh, she to- did. She sure did. And every time I went back home to Detroit until she stopped working there, I used to go back to both King, I went to no, I went back to Nolan a couple of times, but really more so Golightly Education Center. Mm-hmm. I went to a lot of times, but oh, you were Golightly. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, I went to yeah, You're the other one. I was at yeah, Randolph Gore Golightly. I was in Golightly, so Golightly was. Um, I didn't realize that Detroit has a special program. So my mom, my dad, you know, they they linked on my grandfather's name, Joseph Larry, God bless his heart, civil rights guy, as well as you know Rivers, Conyers, all those po- politicians and. And um, mobile moguls in Detroit that were rebuilding our city, and of course, you know, some people had some people had a lot to say about the way they did it. Um, I don't care. I just feel like you know, Detroit didn't have no streetlights. Nobody gave the fuck about it, so they made it happen. Um, so I feel like you know, you know, as a little kid growing up in Detroit, you need streetlights for a myriad of reasons. One of which you want to be able to see you, you know, you want people to see you when they cross the street. Because me and you both know a lot of our pets have been hit. A lot of us were hit. You know, you already know streetlights are very important. So he you got what you're got, running away from, at least. Yes. So people don't understand. <laughs> you, I mean, you don't see everything people say about Detroit is true, and everything they don't say about Detroit is true. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, it, it's so amazing to meet people like yourself and just to you know just to be a pioneer. Because you know, I look at us as being pioneers. We're, we're trying to charter, un- you know, we want, we're going to uncharted territories. So um, I know for you, you went to the modeling industry. You worked with Boss Models, which was straight editorial. You was working with um, Calvin. You were working with all these top bookers. It was so great. And, I, and um, you were doing editorial. And I got to meet Amira before she became Amira. You know, the, that pretty girl. I was like, oh, my God. She was like 5'11 and a half. She was in the Change Clothes video. And I was just like, oh, my God, I loved her. She was such a fucking pimp. And then she was, and I, and I got to see you next to her. And you know, I just love the energy of what they were trying to do at one point. I forgot his name. The gentleman. Too bad they didn't pay a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. But, um, got a lot of work. Got a lot of work. But, um, that was the other booker. I think he, um, I don't know if he passed away or not. Um, Nigel but, Yes, Nigel. Did he, he pass still, away? I, he might. He, he, I think he, uh, he's over at, uh, well, I don't even know if that's still open. Red, I know Red was around uh, 
uh, Red Model Agency, but I think he might he might start up another agency now. But in any case, yeah, I think he's still around. Okay, yeah, you know, a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I heard, but what about Calvin, the photographer? What about him? Yeah, he passed. Rest in peace. Yes, Calvin, I'm sorry. Calvin I'm so French. sorry. Yeah, yeah, Calvin French. Yeah. I love him. Him and like, Nigel. Yeah. Him and Nigel were so amazing. They made you feel. I mean, you know, I don't know if they're in charge of the administration. I don't think they were t- entirely. Todd Booker and head of the uh, international um, connections or affairs for them. So Kevin French handled the international booking side. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gus Forte, he was known all over the world on that side. Uh, Nigel was, he wasn't the head booker, but he was, John Babin was the head booker uh, for oh, yeah. there. And then it was another booker before that, but then they started up Major that was over there before that. So yeah, it's just all this history of great people that were around. Right, that you touched, that you get to be around, and it grooms you, and it shows you, regardless of the antics that went behind the scenes, who cares? I'm taking all the great news from it, and all the good energy and vibes that I learned, because I walked in that damn agency, and I was like, what? And I was with four at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I used to walk in the forward and see Boris and I and uh you know uh Tyson Beckford and shit. Mm-hmm. That, that was amazing to see those guys, you know, in the same office. You know, they, they would do some Polaroids a little bit, you know, but they wasn't doing full-on out photo shoots in, in the front desk of the office. It was like boss had like a whole different energy at the time. Yeah. And it was just like it was very artsy. So so I was like, yeah, that's definitely him. Even y'all models dressed differently at the castings. We look like little nerds, you know what I'm saying? But um, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, I don't really care. And then I was doing a, um, a lot of clean fashion stuff. And then I started getting put on hold for other things. But then he was like, you need to come over here. And I was like, I like getting paid. <laughs> I don't want to tussle for my money. <laughs> right. And that's a go at you to do that, too. And I thought that was great. I didn't give a fuck. But I feel like that's the camaraderie you have with your friends when you walk up on the edges and you boss. you like, give me his money. <laughs> the, the be- I think the best thing that ever happened to me was, you know, that agency, because it, it, like you said, like we talked about, about before, everything has a beginning, right? It's usually bad before it's good. You know, I didn't even really get, get going until like five months uh, under my belt of just nothing from over there. Then when I got going, you know, watch out, you know, and then, you know, to know when to jump ship, knowing that I outgrew it, you know, from the things that I did after, which is, you know, went to Europe. When I left after that year being there, I had a book and I had great photos and I had great tear sheets out of magazines and stuff like that and ads. So, um, it prepared me for that evolution of, you know, seeing the world like I wanted to, that child from seventh grade with Miss Bledsoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you always hung in there. I know that you had some person that was like, in, that was in competition, AJ or something. You know, everybody thought they could, you know, they can get another model to look like you. And I was like, no, you can't. And then we had a lot of little model crew. We was recruiting people and stuff. And I just wish I, I, I was like, damn, we, I, I probably signed like 20 models to four. And I didn't even think to get one cut piece. One piece. Where's your cut? Yeah, what about, I'm a model agent. I'm a model, I'm a mother agent, mother agent. So yeah. I was like, I was like, whatever. I, was, I, I didn't even know what that was. I know one person was like, you want to be? And I was like, what are you talking about? But anyway, this is my friend. But I know I built a lot of boards. I know we built a lot of boards together. Let's get that twisted. And one thing I liked about that for us is that we didn't go in cussing and screaming we want our money. We played that game well. So I know I remember you was like, I need my money. I need some to eat. I was like, I got you. And in the vans, I was doing TV commercials. 
So no. I was thank God for that money. That was cash. Well, you, was remember money you had your event company. Remember? What yeah. was your event company name? It was called Wet Paint. Yes, Wet Paint. That was you before 360. Yeah, that was me. That, no, that was me. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, you were marketing. That's 360, that's 360 Inside Out, and people don't realize that. But WPI, WPI Populations and Marketing was great. We had a lot of customers. It was uh, awesome. You killed it. Thanks, Yo, you had clients. And you had that. I remember you had a book uh, bookmarker. That was clear. I had never seen anything like that. Before. Oh yeah, we had bookmarks that were clear. And yeah. Was, we, yeah, we would give you books and stuff. And I love and, it. And the bookmark was actually the book. The, the yeah, the bookmarker was actually our. Um, it was a. Um, yeah, it was it was four color and it had a splatter of paint on it for wet paint. Mm-hmm. And then um, wet paint. We had a, a offline version or online version called um, dry paint. So dry paint was our our newsletter. But yeah, it was Facade Brothers, Icon Entertainment, which is like all the Puff Daddy companies and stuff like that. So I've been I've been in the industry for since I was a little baby. But I was like, yeah. I, when I started making that money before, and um, I was just like, oh my god, I did one hour of work, five thousand dollars. I'm like, five thousand dollars. I was like, I need to start something now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I fast forwarded. I had like my own like love marketing company with my my assistants. We were in the Hamptons sometimes. I was like, I'm not letting this money go away. So I'm gonna use this and parlay this into you know something different and also just to like get out there more not to be like mmi no that's just you know so I've, we've always been um cross hyphenates or a multi-hyphenates i've always been a multi-hyphenate when people told me brandy can't do that tyrese can't do coca-cola and acting yes he can you can. can't do guessing this and this. she did it in cover girl so remember, like, we remember remember Bo, yeah. Bo, yeah. you know, Bo jackson you know he was yeah. the first one to do both right yeah and so everybody don't understand that. But when people say you can't do something, it's like, what are you talking about? First of all, I can't live without doing both things at once because I can't just, you know, you know, I, I, I thirst for both. Hmm. And when you understand who you are and what you're made of, you can do any damn thing you want to. People be lying to you. People been lying to me so much. That's why I'm doing my own art exhibition with 360 and our team, just to let you know. So um, we, we're looking for a home for that right now. But yeah, we got, it, it, it's called All Things in Brackets 360, close bracket. And um, it's it's really about it's really about this fashion lifestyle brand, but it's really about um, you know just showing the world through our eyes. It's rustic, it's it's uh it's futuristic, but it's colorful and it's in your face, and it's everything from bikes, you know, e-bikes to uh, yes, you know, you already know they're pimped out to um Sarasi crystal bottles to these skateboards behind me. This is part of the exhibition that yep, we I did. I see the long roaches, yeah. Yeah, they're little roaches. They're my little roaches. I gotta have my roaches around here. All the way to, um, you know, just showcasing how we, you know, we do a lot of books. We have books on, on Barnes and Nobles, all the way to Amazon. So, you know, publishing is a very tricky world. Once you learn how to do it, it's just a, a beast to understand. There is no publishing course or management groups or, you know, that teach you how to do it or training sessions. You have to do it yourself. You learn on your own and it's very scary. You know, and it's very hard and it's a lot of, you know, pains and heartaches and blood, sweat and tears. And it still is. But one thing's for sure is I love it. I love the knowledge that I can drop on my friends and be able to network with people and be a connector. And then I saw that with you too, doing your event. You were a connector. I was like, oh my God, I love him. And you were like connecting. So how'd you, I mean, like, wasn't it amazing? How did you really get involved in that? Like you just, we were partying. And then one day I was like, what did Jeff doing at the gate? <laughs> Jeff doing at the door with that suit on. 
And then after, and then he was like, what's Jeff sitting me down at the table? Because you are real, you're a businessman. And people don't understand modeling is business. It's all about presentation. It ain't about, you know, when we put our fingers in our mouth, you know, with our, you know, put our booties out, that, you know, that's, that's, that's another agency. And, uh, you know, that's not, that's not what we were doing. We were like getting, we, we were breaking necks and collecting checks, mm-hmm. you know, and, and our presentation was superb. You know, for us, I feel like we really did um, grow into the city of New York. New York, you really owned it. You really did. Like you were doing all the big parties, and you were on Mark Baker. You were in that. You were in that world. Yeah. You know, you were in that world. So yeah, you, it was. You, it was you know, a lot. Mark, I don't. You're not a black Mark Baker. You're on the same level as a youthful Mark Baker. I don't call you black. You ain't black to me. You just you just a human being. This is a human I like, being. I was like, yeah. damn, this is a human being right here. Yeah. You know, and, and then you were traveling all around the world as a model. You went to Germany, all these other places. But then fast forward, you start standing. And I was like, Ooh. and it was like the way you did it was like, you know, you give me a shot, sit me down at my table. And then you, it, was, it was just, wow. I was just so excited because to see and to imagine that we reimagined our destiny. I was told that I was going to survive past 25. I'm here now. That's right. So it's like, so, I, so every time I saw you, you were constantly reinventing yourself. And I feel like that's that, that's a part of Detroit. That's a part of our heritage. People don't know that. That's a part. You can go ahead. You can wear all those little designer clothes from from, from our boys. But you already know. Um, what's his name again? The designer. He did. Uh, I don't know, he's the rock and roll guy. He does. He works. He, the company is under All Saints. Um, not All Saints, but it's, uh, what's the rock and roll company um, that does all the rock and roll clothes for guys, all black. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Everybody, but everybody so knows. Heavy. Yeah. But everybody knows um, he's gonna be man. He gonna kill us. But um, <laughs> but, but um, basically, like bro, these- I, I do remember our designers. You know, Detroit. You know, has so many Anna yes. Sui, Anna yes, Sui from uh, we met Detroit. Them. We have- yeah, and we met them. We hung out with them, and I didn't even know that they were there that big. Yeah, dude, Maurice Malone. Yes. Maurice Malone. Uh, yes. I walked his catwalks quite a bit uh, back in yes. the day, and he's still going. Like his company. He's changed his company name over, uh, and he does um, he does production now uh, between here and uh, China. But uh, you know, just great people, you know. And you can always come up to him. You can always just kick it with people. Like we, and that's why I said at the top of the hour, you know, the eclectic side of Detroit is it just resonates through a lot of different people that you meet, you know, uh, even like Northland mall, I used to shop at this clothing store called status, which was really popular for high end, like, like, uh, cool stuff out of there and stylish being stylish shit at that time in the nineties or whatever. And two of the owners who started that and like a whole, that whole entrepreneur side of what that looked like in Northland mall, they were the only black that had their own store in there. And they were down the street from Say La Vie in Northland, uh, which was our big mall for those who don't know at that time uh, in uh, Southfield. And uh, they were just yeah. in town. They were just in town. And uh, Jerry called me up and said, guess who's in town? And he said, the owners of status. And I told him where to go. And I told him who to say. And they walked in and they had a blast. And like, I'm so elated right now because I did remember. I mean, we did meet Anna Sweet. We, I mean, she used to tell us we had a nice style. We were like, we look bummy, but we really did. I looked in the mirror one day. I saw pictures too. And we really did know how to, but people in Detroit can dress their ass off. People don't understand that. Like we have swag. It's, you know, swag, 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 you know, east side versus west side swag. 
and then you mixing them together. I feel like we was mixing our swags up. People say, oh, we was like, yeah, we had, we were still giving you, you know, international swag. We were in turtlenecks. We were doing a lot of cool We were doing stuff. our Tur- stuff. Turtlenecks with stripes and shit. You have to. Well, Detroit was a very stylish city. That's but why. You also, it but you was also really, stylish. I was going to other cities. I had been to other cities and I had like a DC down to Hampton Roads to Virginia, all this parts in between all the way to Virginia Beach, you know, uh, Chicago and every place that I went, I was always the most stylish when I came to visit. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. But, but, but then again, you were also submerged in a culture that people didn't know about, but they knew it was there. They and knew. so it, they knew it was there. And the reason why I was there is because you had a lot of tycoons that live in Detroit that run those those auto those auto factories and those auto companies. And like, you know, Tracy Reese was there, Anna Sweet was there, John Barbados. John Barbados. Yeah. And we've been at parties with John. We hang out. I didn't even know who he was. I walked with John. I walked for, yeah, you know, yeah. like went to the casting sport. And, and Julie uh, Pinkus, um, yeah. Bruce Allerschnee. I mean, we were in parties with all these people as little kids. And it was like, I love your top. I love their style. I'm like, why? Why not go? Because we were like, we, we didn't give up here. We were like, we're going to be ourselves. And you gave me and Terry the power to really be ourselves. And Terry, you know, she has her own role. But she was really closing herself in. It was like, no, you can do this. And then Terry was like, you can do this too. Yeah. I mean, we were doing the best we can because, you know, you've been traumatized by your goddamn community. So people hating on you because they're not used to seeing kids with straight nose or a dark-skinned guy that's, I don't talk like it was just you. We were not stereotypical kids, and, and people were just in shock. They, they just because we look one way, I mean, you're supposed to act that way. Since childish, and Terry had a four or five optic voice. It was amazing to see. The, the, I mean, Terry Dexter, the, we're talking about. Yes, Terry Dexter. Tell people know. Like, it was just so amazing to be around you guys and go support you guys. And then you guys would be like, "Vine, we over here," and I'll run over there. It was so fun. And you, it really helped me reopen my shell because I am an observer and I'm a very quiet person at times. But I was just like, wow, wow. So yeah, I'm just so happy and blessed. But yeah, you did, you did all that for us. And then you told me about that young lady, Keisha. Keisha, I'm Jerry. And Keisha at one point um, was modeling and you guys took me to these goddamn trunk shows. I was like, what the hell is that? It was like a whole nother lifestyle and life that was in that city. And then you continued it on from New York and traveling abroad with your model and stuff and you came back and I was like, who the hell is this person? And then you were, you know, you were standing places and you were giving me like international um, vice president of concierge services, also a managing partner. Thank you. <laughs> so it was like, it's like, but the people don't understand that type of level of customer services unparalleled. And, you know, it's the same thing I was telling people the other day. One of my friends was yelling at me, why you can't write that? I said, it was done by accident because we had a copy editor write something and had to retract a statement, right? It's not the end all because you know what? I don't argue with people on the phone. I say, yes, change, pull, pull that story. We're going to make an amendment. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, you know, because you don't argue with people, especially when things are, you know, devastating, like a death or sudden death or anything going on. I don't argue with people unless, you know, it's, a, it's professionally done where, you know, that's that's called, I'm going to give you the. Dream.